0: Yeah, so I'd like to talk a little bit about bringing, integrating our yoga practice in, in daily life and then Daryl will talk about mindfulness in daily life more generally. But be, before I do that I really want to express gratitude to Jill for um, for being being you know, I just felt you were a real presence in the, in the room this week and the way you supported uh, the students. So deep bow to you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And I want to thank you all. Uh, you know, I just feel I felt your your dedication, um, your commitment to the practice. Uh, so it's really great to lead you guys in yoga this, this weekend. Um, and it's great to be back here because I hadn't, uh, I hadn't, uh, come for two years. I, um, I, uh, unfortunately had to cancel two successive years due to uh, some difficulties in my family and, uh, I'm really grateful that I've been able to come this year and up to Prior. It's really, a, it's really sweet to come here and, uh, and just be here in the beautiful nature and uh, and in this retreat center. so I'd like to talk to you a little bit about integrating yoga into into your daily life. Um, obviously, obviously, um, you know, mindfulness of the body, what a better way to connect with the body than with our yoga practice, right so you know, so finding ways to integrate that skillfully in, in your life, you know, and that's the challenge. So I'd like to maybe offer you a few suggestions, you know, and then you could, we can, discu- we can have a discussion about it. Um, one sort of, you know, when, when you're, you're sort of, caught, we're, we get into moments when we get, you know, we get caught up um, in whatever's going on in our lives, whether it's you know relationships that were, you know, family relationships or issues at work, and we just, you know, just feel like that in start, that intensity starts to build. We can just take a simple out breath, you know, just taking a breath in. <sighs> <coughs> taking a couple of breaths, you know. So I like to think of that as the release valve. You know, just opening up the valve and letting out some of the steam. Very simple practice. right? Just breathing in, breathing out. Another thing we can do um, that's, is, is just a soles of the feet practice. Just feeling the soles of your feet, maybe stepping back and forth, grounding the feet, you know. So it's a way of grounding, of settling the energies, you know, when we feel we're getting caught up in our head, we're, you know, we're just kind of feeling, so starting to feel somewhat disconnected, very nice to come back to our feet. So, the soles of the feet practice, full exhalation, so very, just a couple of very simple things that we can do, you know, at really at any moment of the day, when we remember. <laughs> um, other things that I've done that I found very valuable is at work um, you know there's plenty of chair yoga practices that you can find online or or maybe just develop some of your own you know just shoulders up to your ears we've done some of them in class this week you know just uh, you know releasing the neck uh, you know just some very very simple practices that we can do at work okay so that's that's another possibility. Um, I'm, sh- you know, I'm, I'm guessing that many of you do yoga in the community, right? Have a regular, sort of, you're a teacher that, you know, you you go to, you have a teacher, a favorite teacher, and you go to those, you know, you go to those classes regularly, and that's great, and especially for beginners, really wonderful to be able to go to a class on a regular basis. But I would also really encourage you to develop your own home practice. Developing your own home practice for a couple of reasons. You know, one is that you know, and there's value to it. You know, you go to class, and there's you know, there's a set, and set instructions. You know, in some some methods of yoga, I don't know, if some people do Ashtanga or or Bikram. You know, it's a very set series of poses. Um, some teachers have a certain way of teaching and that's all very well and good but it's also really great to be just to be able to you know even if you have 10 or 15 minutes to you know take a moment and listen you know close your eyes maybe lie on your mat and listen what does my body need you know so you know like putting the shoulds away. You know, I have to do five sun salutations, right? You know, we can get, we can sort of get locked in this, you know, this is the way to do yoga. But there's also another way to practice, which is, you know, what, what do I need? And, and sort of listening a little more deeply, um, sort of dropping from the mind and the shoulds and, and, and resting in the place of the heart, listening to the body's internal wisdom, the, the the little cues that bubble up oh I'm exhausted oh maybe maybe 15 minutes of shavasana maybe that's what we need you know or I'm feeling I'm feeling vigorous and I want to do some yoga and I do want to do those sun salutations great you know but but moving from that so so taking a minute or so to pause listen in and then practice your yoga from that place you know um, and Um, so it's just a suggestion Um, yeah another another thing so so you know so if you have 30 minutes um, let's say I'm just sort of hypothetically you have 30 minutes to practice say in the morning or at the end of the day see you know how you want to carve that up you may want to do say 10 minutes of yoga and then twenty minutes of sitting. right? And maybe try that and see how does doing some yoga first inform my sitting practice? Right? Or flip it around maybe do twenty minutes of sitting and then break out and do some yoga. And then so, and if you could try it both ways and see See what works for you. And energetically, I've, I've practiced this way for a number of years, and I've noticed personally there's there's an energetic change. You know, so like when I first sit uh, and then do yoga, my yoga practice is, is it's different than if I start doing yoga first. Do you know, it's just sort of a, sort of a different flavor. Um, and if I do yoga first and then sit, I. I personally I find my sitting a little bit more I'm a little bit more calm a little more centered so see what you know maybe try it both ways and see what works for you Um, and then you know so in sort of in this theme of you know integrating yoga into into your life if you're so inclined um, it, it doesn't have to be very long it can be it can even be five minutes for years, I'd um, do yoga in the bathroom, you know, brush my teeth, floss, get, step in the shower, warm up my body, and then do yoga in front of the mirror, you know, and just some very simple, you know, like some uh, half sun salutations, you know, like we were doing some sun breaths or some of the joint rotation series we were doing, you know, or, or make it up, you know, make it up to see what... Um, it's like, it is, you know, it's like flossing your teeth. <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, after a while it becomes essential, you know, just, yeah. That's just like I floss my teeth. I, I take five minutes for yoga for self-care, right? Call that your self-care practice. Um, and, you know, so, and, you know, I, again, this is my personal feeling, but I think that five or ten minutes of yoga every day is a whole lot better than going down to the yoga studio for a one-hour class once a week. Okay, so just want to put that out. Mm-hmm. Any, any sort of any questions or yes. comments?
1: Can, can, actually, could we do questions like? Oh, we do it at, at the, the end. end oh, yeah, the yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay. So people.
1: So practice, practice in daily life, mindfulness in daily life. Uh, I've talked a lot about just staying connected to the body with the breath. And, and uh, similarly to the yoga, uh, is just staying connected to the body by feeling yourself walking on the earth, um, feeling, uh, feeling this, the, the breeze on your skin, just tuning into the body um, throughout the day. Sitting at the computer, feeling yourself sitting on the chair. You know, in the in the uh, four foundations of mindfulness, it's uh, the instructions are so simple. When you're sitting, know you're sitting. When you're walking, know you're walking. Um, uh, you know, when we're walking, do we usually know we're walking? We usually our, our minds <coughs> are spinning, right? So, <coughs> so and then um, other. Um, other things to um, to mention are uh, a, a sitting practice, and you know, establish a sitting practice every day. And um, it's helpful if you have a little space that you're, like some a little, it could even be a corner of a room where you put your cushion or your chair that you sit on. Um, you could have a little table with, you know a candle or a picture that means something to you and and it kind of calls you it calls you to sit and um, and just taking that time um, 20 minutes I think is is really good because it takes a few minutes just to collect the mind and settle so um, you know if you can 20 minutes but if you can't 10 minutes is is better than not at all um, so you know, people, a lot of people, when they think about um, bringing practice into daily life, emphasize in their thinking uh, kind of the formal aspect of, <coughs> of, of sitting uh, and practicing, you know, meditation f- feeling the breath, you know, however, whatever form our meditation may take. But really, meditation in daily life is, um, it's, it's, a, it's a complete um, practice woven throughout all of our activities in the day. Uh, and and I, I find that, especially our relationships, a very powerful, important place that we bring our mindfulness and kindness. So so, the heart the the heart that um, we have this basic intention of not harming, um, and then uh, a a further intention of supporting life, of supporting the life of others, of supporting our own life you uh, in, in a in a way that's beneficial in the world so our closest relationships are often the ones that are the most challenging right because <coughs> because um, there's the familiarity uh, there's um, there there're those uh, opportunities uh, for us to work with you know we, we feel challenged we feel um, Annoyed, we feel uh, that our our preferences have been um, impinged upon. We, you know, we would prefer that our our partner or our friend or our working colleague or um, boss or uh, whatever, our our child or our parent, (coughs) um, that they do things in a certain way or not do things you know, in a certain way. So we have our preferences and our our preferences can, can really get impinged upon and, um, and so um, you know, there's a, there's a beautiful poem, uh, Song of Enlightenment, and it begins, um, the great way is not difficult for those who are not attached to their preferences. So, um, so can we um, be aware of our preferences? And recognize that our preferences are not the only way. <laughs> you know that, that that there are preferences; that they're the way we feel things should be done. And yet, um, uh, maybe somebody else has a very different perspective. So, um, can we be open to what other people, other people in our lives, our close, our close people, and also those that we uh, don't, you know, live so closely with, but, but they're part of our lives. <clears throat> uh, can we be open to what they bring us? <clears throat> um, we all, I think, I think we all, um, at least most of us, long for intimacy, long for connection in our lives. And... Um, And intimacy in our lives, intimacy in relationships begin with intimacy with ourselves. (coughs) If I'm, if my heart is closed to uh, to myself, to my own sensitivities, to my own feelings if I'm not aware, if I'm shut down um, it's very hard to be open to another and so that's really our practice that with our our breath with our awareness we're opening to ourselves it doesn't mean that we're following every impulse it doesn't mean that every time we want something we reach for it or every time we want to resist something or push it away that we follow that we're just aware aware of what's arising and and, and compassionately open to it uh, accepting it that we're a best friend to ourselves you know, if um, if your child or your best friend came in and was you know, deeply upset about something or, or was crying you, know, you wouldn't say oh don't worry about it, it doesn't matter yeah. but we say that to ourselves sometimes don't we you know, we just kind of say, "Oh, I shouldn't feel that way." You know? Just allowing feelings to be to be known and to be received in our awareness is um, a great kindness to ourselves, and it also allows them to to move through. You know, we we can realize that feelings are feelings. You know, sometimes sometimes I'm walking down the street and I'm just aware that. I don't feel great I mean it's not about not feeling healthy but it's it's like there's just kind of turmoil inner turmoil Uh, and uh, something something you know that I experienced um, disturbed me uh, or something that I didn't do or I failed to do well and I'm I'm not happy with myself, and um, and so you know, just giving giving myself that space to feel those unpleasant feelings just enables me to move to a different place. You know, and, and sometimes you know, I just think you know, the, the thought comes to mind. Oh yeah, dukkha, yeah, dukkha. It's it's life. It's it's just, yeah. I I don't expect that I'm going to feel, you know, uh, great, happy, blissful all the time. Uh, life is not like that. And and so when when there's when there's a little bit of disturbance, you know, it's not that it's not that my life is a mess, or or that you know is something terrible, or you know, I have to I have to rethink. You know something wrong with, you know, my relationship or my or my work or you know or I'm I'm failing. This is yeah. Can I be? Can I just flow with what's coming through me in life? And there's a lot. There's a lot that comes through us, not only from our own personal experience, but from the larger world. We're so in touch with, you know, all of the events of the world that are happening is so much suffering and uh you know um there are you know things that are um not great that are going on in the world that destruction of of uh the environment and you know life forms it's uh there's a lot that we might feel sorrow about and it's it's okay to feel sorrow about these things and perhaps then consider, you know, what response can I make? It's, um, the Buddha called this practice going against the stream um, even even you know 2,500 years ago or 2,600 years ago it was going against the stream um, because most people's preoccupation is you know kind of satisfying wants and, and um, uh, maybe accumulating and and fulfilling ideas of, of success and it's not that those are bad it's not it's not bad to have goals in life it's not bad to you know or unimportant to have things that we achieve in our in our lives as 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 parents as as um, professionals or whatever form of work that we do in work, our work is is, is really important. It's a way that we contribute. <clears throat> it's just that um, often that is that is uh, done as it, or it's seen as the way that um, we we find fulfillment and. <clears throat> And um, and the teachings and our experience can show us that fulfillment won't be found in um, in stuff and getting stuff, or in accumulating money, or in um, or even in our you know getting uh, prestige or you know a very uh, fine reputation for. Whatever it is that we do, um, fame. People think fame is important, and and fame is just you know a lot of people knowing who you are. Um, it's uh, it doesn't really make uh, one's life better. So, so this 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 practice goes against the stream, and especially in our society, there's so much emphasis on consumerism. So, um, so the the recognition that what we what we have, what we do, is not really going to ultimately give us enduring happiness, contentment, peace, um, wisdom, love. Uh, it's um it's who we are. it's the quality of our being and um, and that's what we're cultivating, the quality of our being, the wisdom, the kindness, the ethics, the compassion. Ethics are really also a very important practice. the essence being non-harming, and the precepts, you know you might you might Think about the precepts and read them, and they're they're a very uh, good framework for, you know, recognizing uh, not only not to do actions that are harmful, but but um, but when is grasping arising, and when am I tempted to take them something that really wasn't offered to me, um, uh, so or skillful speech you know not to lie not to exaggerate not to talk in a negative way about other people these are really these are guidelines that you know that as we observe them we recognize that when we do speak negatively about somebody for example it it really harms our integrity our sense of wholeness our sense of being um uh, you know, really whole and connected with ourself and with the world, so um, they're, they're all investigations, so the ethics aspect there are really i 'll just just end with saying this that there are three aspects of practice to explore in our daily lives and uh, and so these these three are ethics and um, and meditation and the wisdom. So, so wisdom, the Dharma teachings, we realize in our lives. But we can also be nourishing ourselves with listening to talks and, and reading books and 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 being part of a sangha where we practice with others and receive the teachings. So, um, so there's a lot that could be said about practicing daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, Keep breathing, mm-hmm. uh, and um, and I think that it's important that we have lots of time for your questions and and reflections. So, um, so please direct uh, uh, questions to either David or me. Mm-hmm. it's hard to let those go is it okay to invite good feelings in that will replace those and actually perhaps make you smile by remembering those so there are different approaches uh, the, the Vipassana approach is to actually you know turn toward those feelings with compassion and awareness and in the Anapanasati, it says, stay, stay connected lightly, like just a feather t- touch with your breathing, just to stay in the moment. But, you know, I'm, say I'm aware that my heart is sad, that there's sadness. Can I open to that sadness? Even if it means I start crying in my meditation, it's okay. Like, because I'm carrying that sadness. That sadness is inhabiting my body in some way and it's there and it comes from some conditions of my life some loss some hurt let me welcome it let me welcome it, it in just to, uh, to hear and receive it because that's what it wants that sadness that's inhabiting my body actually wants to be known wants to be received just like when a kid comes running in the door and is crying and you know and 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 what's wrong what's wrong and 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 part of what they want is just to be held um and we can hold we can not hold it like grasp it but it, allow it um invite it to to be received and what we discover is that it's it's not bottomless. It's you know sometimes we're afraid to open up to painful emotions because we think they're they're bottomless. We think that if we if we just allow ourselves to feel them, that they'll never stop. That this sadness, this 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 rage, this um, this grief, uh, will never never stop. But what we discover is that actually when we can just be with it and give it space to be known, it does move through us. And that we are not the rage, we're not the grief, that we are the space in which it is being known. And, and, that, and when that, that painful emotion moves through, it's, it, um, it, it leaves us open, it leaves us present, and and that's the experience of liberated mind. Now, there are other practices that are also taught, which are sometimes called antidotes. So, and that's what you're describing. So, so say if if, you're, if there's a lot of um, anger uh, towards somebody or ill will, um, that uh, that we invite, you know, loving kindness. Um, or we invite uh, compassion um, and so that can also be very skillful um, and it's, it, it even can be transformative but I would say it's not as powerfully transformative as um, seeing the arising and passing away of, of these mental states the Buddha said that one moment of seeing the arising and passing away is more transformative, more liberating than, you know, practicing a year of uh, doing good works or 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 loving practicing loving kindness. It's um, said it's because having that insight into the impermanent nature of, of our experience is, is freeing. So so it's not that what you're suggesting is wrong, and it can be very skillful at times. And, and I would really also encourage you to balance it with, you know, turning toward... It takes a lot of courage to turn toward our painful experience. Um, so... Um, So, um, and it's it's worth it. Sometimes you hear the expression, the spiritual warrior. And that's the warrior aspect, the the capacity to turn toward what is difficult. Thank you.
2: Yeah. This This is my first time meditating, and I find sometimes I like to sway a little. Is there a reason not to do that in meditation?
1: I would say that sometimes in the beginning you're finding your center, but there is uh, there is something very beneficial in finding stillness, like letting the body settle and letting the energy just kind of um, yeah settle and come to stillness because we it, it just enables the focus the inner focus. if you have anything to add about moving the body in meditations well,
3: um,
0: yeah I mean sometimes I, I, sometimes it happens spontaneously yeah. I don't know if that's what you're referring to that there's suddenly there's some kind of energy that right. starts to well and you know I mean I tend to go with it you know not, not stop it
1: um, right and
0: that's different from you know, uh, willfully moving <laughs> yeah. to find your center. So there, I, think I think there are two I different just, things. Yeah, I think that's what I find happening. Mm-hmm.
4: just breathing. Yeah,
0: I mean it'll do the the energy will do its dance and then and then it'll settle and something else will you know come up or you'll just settle back into. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I think making room or making some space for that is is okay.
1: Yeah, I, actually, um, thanks, David. I, I, uh, sometimes people, energy moves the body in different ways and, and sometimes people, you know, you'll see sometimes people doing this or this, or you know, or even shaking uh, in meditation because the energy is just moving the body yeah, I, in that way.
0: I just want to add, somebody else mentioned, asked a question uh, yesterday about using pranayama you know, to get get the energy moving, um, and and so that is so that's one way of working with energy in the yogic tradition. We arouse the energy that way through the through the various pranayama, the breath practices that you're aware of Jill, as well. Um, and but in in uh, in this tradition. You know the mindfulness, and as the concentration deepens, that's another way for energy to uh, to to you know. So the energy starts to build and um, internally, and then and then that you can have those moments where uh, you know the body starts to sway, or there's a, some people feel like this surge of electricity. You know, this uh, just sudden, spontaneous eruptions, almost of you know, of prana. You know, um, so so that's something that's sort of from the concentration, very sort of it's internally, uh, it, it's just internally wells up, different than um, actively generating the prana through the the practices of pranayama and asana. A different way in. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. They say uh, they say that chitta moves prana, but also prana moves chitta. So chitta meaning heart heart mind. Uh, in this practice, the heart mind moves the prana. In the yogic tradition, the, the prana is stabilizing and you know and, and energizing the, the chitta.
1: Other questions? Yeah. Um,
3: I feel very grateful to uh, be able to practice and keep learning about practice, but I work in in mental health, and it's very challenging to uh, uh, to share mindfulness with people who are suffering from severe, persistent uh, mental illness. So this is more of uh, asking if anybody has any resources that they are familiar with or have used. It was a real eye-opener when I I do a walk with people, and one one day I was encouraging somebody to simply breathe, and his response was, I don't like to be aware of my breath because it reminds me of death. And it was a real um, eye-opener that that all this meditation stuff is is, uh, is not is not experienced uh, in the same way um, by people who have different capacities or different um, situations. Mm-hmm. So, if anybody you know has uh, come across this in their work or in their life, I'm always looking for yeah. for tools to introduce mindfulness in, in a way that. Uh, would be easier for people who suffer from you know anxiety, delusions, uh, you
1: know all kinds of. Uh uh, there's um, I think I think that there's a a lot that needs to be explored in this because um, <coughs> there are benefits um, of mindfulness, uh, you know, to people with you know physical and mental health issues, and there's also limitations in both physical and mental health. Um, I was just given a book, actually, uh, by a friend, Lynette Montero, um, who teaches uh, at the Study Center in in Barrie, Massachusetts. And it's a... Um, so she teaches with her husband, um, uh, an annual course on, on interventions mindfulness interventions and in mental health mm-hmm. it's something like that um, and, and, and uh, I just got a book I, um, I have hardly read it but I know she has an essay into, in it um, an anthology of, of reflections by health professionals so if you want to send me an email I'll send you the name of the book um, and um, uh, where do you live? In Ottawa, in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. yeah well, yeah she lives in, in Gatineau so perhaps you know, you can be in touch and, yeah. and uh, she might also be a resource for you
0: mm-hmm. I could add something to that as well um so, uh, at, uh, in Boston, we've, uh, a number of us have developed a an intervention called trauma-centered, trauma-sensitive yoga, and uh, it was it's it's being developed as an adjunctive treatment for uh, it's adjunctive to um, psychotherapy. Um, it's, it's a specific application, Hatha Yoga application, mind-body intervention for individuals with complex trauma. Um, but it, it, it is all, it's also being used in, in clinical settings, uh, uh, you know, so, you know, uh, both inpatient and outpatient, um, uh, mental, mental health clinics, um, Uh, substance abuse uh, you know many different many sort of many different applications but what what we found is for a lot of people um, it's 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 difficult to be to be seated for a long period of time um, because the the immobilization of, of being seated not being able to move Can be a trigger, right? Because trauma is associated with being tied down or being being in a situation where where we were where we've been captive to something something unpleasant um, or something you know something very difficult. Um, So so the 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 invitation to move to move the body, you know, so um, in a non-directive way. So it's not like it's, it's not like I'm telling you to do this but but you know so the facilitation of the practice is what is it that I need, and then making cho- good choices for yourself based on what you need based on what you're feeling and so so the whole intervention is around is around choice making invitational language, and interoception, which is essentially feeling feeling the body, and in this case the muscles and um, so it's a very grounding present moment experience and it can be can be useful for people um, with 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 complex trauma and very often um, you know it, it complex trauma is comorbid with other psychiatric conditions like anxiety or depression it's often they're often comorbid, and sometimes the trauma is actually unseen you know, and what we're seeing are sort of the symptoms but you know so. Um, so, uh, if you're interested in more information on that, I'd be happy to give you the, the links to the website, etc.
4: Okay.
3: Um, just
4: for information, there actually is a center in Ottawa with specialists about trauma-informed um, yoga and psychotherapy psychotherapist who do kind, of, great. That also yoga. As yeah Do you the I could get it to I don't know yeah. like the exact name but there's even yeah it's like very just if you just research uh, trauma and yoga center in Ottawa they have a center and some specialist teachers
3: that's great you can know that
4: could I just add one more thing as well
2: um, just because I do a little bit of work with people with persistent health concerns of a an emotional and or physiological and or physical nature and one of the things that uh, we do there is also make sure that the movements are very gentle and start very gentle and gradually move a little bit because there's a lot of fear in the body as well just fear of hurting oneself so just sort of a gradual progression from very very simple movements as well. There are a couple of options. I work in a Children's Mental Health Program, and we use a lot of mindfulness practices. So we end Some of the that we did in are using art and uh, nature. So um, th- there's a lot of research and stuff on that, too.
1: Great. Sure, there's a wealth of knowledge mm-hmm. in this room.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: other questions or reflections?
3: I have a question about. Um, that's a really easy one. You're like you'll really like this one. <laughs> <laughs> the, high, the whole concept of um, connecti- connectivity um, makes sense to me in terms of from. A spiritual perspective or even a scientific perspective what I don't understand is how that leads one to um, the idea that we don't have a separate self as well that yes we're connected why does that mean we're not why does that mean we don't also have a separate self this is where I get I,
1: said, I think that
0: was easy. <laughs> Got a whole other retreat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, there are different ways of, uh, in, very often, um, in talking about this, this teaching on anatta, non-self, Excuse me. There are uh, two levels of understanding that we that we talk about. So we talk about conventional or relative view, um, and then of course, yes, we are separate people. I mean, if you eat lunch, I, I, I'm going to still be hungry, <laughs> right? You know, and 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 you're going to drive to your house, and I'm going to drive to my house, and and we live different lives. So, in that relative way, um, yeah, of course, we're 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 separate. Um, uh, And also, you have your you have your um, ways of seeing your life and your experience, your perceptions and those are formed by your experiences, Um, so you you might have been taught when you were a kid, uh, you know, that um, certain goals, you know, that you should behave in certain ways, and you should have certain goals, and, and those are just part of your, the way you are, and and mine are part of, you know, the way that I tend to take in my experience in my life. Um, but but that actually can lead us just just thinking about how we're formed and and and, and how our perceptions are formed um, can lead us to maybe an understanding of the the not self um Dimension it can be a doorway to saying, well, you know, are these mine? Are, is this me or mine? these these perceptions, these these beliefs, these you know even even the way that perhaps you know we see, well, we study the Dharma and 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 we develop a a dharmic view of of our experience, you know, seeing impermanence and and seeing, um, you know, uh, the the characteristics of, of experience in that way, um, and and so, you know, is this me? Is this mine? Well, I can say, well, you know, well, I chose it, and you know, it's how I live. W- what if I had never? What if I had never come across the Dharma? What if? I had never met anybody who explained it to me. Um, so it arises, uh, who we are, we're really an evolving being, and we're evolving with the conditionings and experiences of our lives. And so, you know, there's, we're, not, we're not self-made um we we are uh, absorbing and taking in and and being nourished by and being, perhaps also being, uh, you know, there are things that we take in that were kind of toxic. So um, you know, so uh, that also is part of what influences us. Um, and so um, yeah, it's. It, the, the there's an expression in Tibetan Buddhism called a stream of being so so if if something if something is moving and and is being fed by different sources and it may look more or less the same but it's 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 constantly changing so can you say that that i mean looking more deeply looking You know, with a wisdom view, can you say that it's really the same river? If you know, if it's been you know um, polluted or if the pollution has um, been cleaned out. You know, we we talk about a lake, you know, and and we we say, well, you know, that that's the lake, but lakes change. Lakes change depending on what the conditions are that are feeding that lake, and, and so it's, it is a lake in a relative way, at the conventional way, it's a lake, but it may not be the same lake as it was fifty years ago because of the agricultural runoff into the lake um, that has killed so many species. You know, it's so it's, self isn't static. it's not it's not static. It's not separate, because it's 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 constantly being. You know, it's a flow through. It's a flow. And so, um, so the, this idea that we have of self being independent, separate, enduring. It, it's not that there is no, you know, being that. You know that basically we are, and we experience life through these senses and this body. But it's um, but it's it's not the way we think of it normally. It's we're not so separate as we think.
2: Um, about choiceless awareness, this is what you were talking about before. Can you talk about like right effort with choiceless awareness? Like, you know, like sometimes I try to be really aware and it feels so rigid. Then I like this term choiceless awareness, but how much effort is there in that?
1: Um, well, so so if if there's a rigidity and a striving in that you're bringing to your awareness in the moment and then you notice that, right? It's like, you know, I feel tense, I feel rigid, I feel like... And so, what happens when you become mindful of that? So that in itself can become an object. The attitude, the the habit of mind of, you know, kind of striving or rigidity or over-efforting can can that can become on oh, look look at how you know just let I me mean, relax. Yeah. Larry Rosenberg talked about a um, a session in which he you know he he told people to to keep their posture without moving, you know, very, very still, to be very, very still and not move. And um, and what happened was that um, he was talking about a particular student, a new a new student. What happened was, you know, this student actually, you know, his unconsciously his his shoulders began to droop. But then when he noticed his shoulders drooping, you know, well the instruction was don't move. So so, so he, he didn't he didn't straighten them up again. You know, so uh, so he ended up sitting really uncomfortably. It was difficult for him to sit. Uh, and So that was a rigidity. And then, and then you know, late, later in the sitting he said, he said, just sit and, you know, don't try. Stop trying. Mm-hmm. And, and this, what happened was this student just noticed that he was actually more alert. Um, he was more aware. He was relaxed. So there's a kind of a balance that we find between, um, you know, uh, kind of beginning again, <laughs> noticing when we're uh, kind of drifting, and 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 coming back and and but not not striving. It's so so it's 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 a habit to become. Um, you know, to become too too tight. So It's uh, another story of the Buddha is um, there was this musician who played a lute and uh, and he was, you know, just like striving, 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 uh, you know, practicing all the time not sleeping and so on and, and the Buddha invited him in for a chat and he said he said when you tune your lute you know what happens if you tune it too tight the well, strings break what happens if you tune it too loose oh well it doesn't make any sound so you have to find the right tuning yeah you might have something to say about balance of a lot to be learned in yoga about that balance between oh, yeah between uh, <laughs> efforting and uh I can tell you a story
3: at <laughs> <just got> time.
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's a, uh, I think it's a very valuable practice is 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 seeing, you know, like so you know years ago I, I took up ashtanga Yoga which is a very vigorous Anybody do a shtanga here? Oh, several I people did. do. Yeah, it's, it's a very vigorous, heated practice. Um, there's 26 yoga postures, and, and you go through them systematically. And um, you know, I was a pretty gung ho student, and I go to the, the classes three, four times a week, and the morning classes where they do something called Mysore. Um, but there was this striving energy, even in the culture. You know, it was just this striving of <coughs> having to do all twenty-six postures, and and some of them are quite challenging. And I, um, anyways, just to make long story short, um, there's one posture called Marichyasana, and there's several iterations of it. And in one of them, I heard my knee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and ever since then, I've had a little meniscus tear in my knee. This is like 15 years ago. But there it was. It was just not listening to my body. I had this idea that I was, you know, I just saw, you know, I, I thought I could do this. You know, I just had this idea that I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to get into this form. And then there was a part of me that knew that I was going into the, into the danger zone. But it was like, I just, you know went right past that and and you know and then the injury um and then I stopped practicing krishnya, <laughs> and I went a different route. but I have to tell you that was there was a great lesson because I learned you know this the striving you know you know so it has consequences you know one you know can injure our joints and so I had to that was my way of then you know going back and and really starting from the beginning and I started going to very gentle classes and you know I dropped the Ujjayi breathing and just went back to like trying to uh, find my way back to yoga you know and finding that sort of so finding that balance and I'm sure you know when you practice yoga it's like where is that balance of right how much effort and how much, you know, you know, you know, sort of that place where I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not efforting enough. Maybe I'm just kind of just hanging out, and you know, and so bringing enough energy, but not too much energy that we're, you know, that we're we're harming ourselves, that we're doing, you know, we're causing injury and, and sort of that sort of thing. So, so that's I think you know it's uh, it's it's trial and error you know it's it's it, we uh, this is the, we learning we're all learning that through trial and error and that's n- nobody nobody can really tell us we we have to learn that for ourselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's a but it's a rich and powerful
1: teaching mm-hmm. just there was a yeah? Oh, about I this, just yeah, point, yeah. I
2: just briefly, one like, quick thing there. At age fifty-seven, <coughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that uh, I'm very aware of impermanence, the anicca, and the. Um, optimizing yoga according to the stage of life you're in is really, um, and this is an Ayurvedic thing as well, so, but that's been very helpful for me to remember that I'm not still doing Ashtanga and I'm not 22 anymore, but it's, that's been very hard. There's a letting go there, and, um, but that's been helpful as well. Uh,
0: And uh, so it's great that you brought that up in terms of, you know, where we are in the life cycle it's even it's even things like i was um i was in la with traveling with my wife back in october we spent a couple of weeks in la and it was hot every day was like in the 80s it was so beautiful i was getting up at 5 a.m and i rolled out my yoga mat and on the deck and i was doing the sun salutations and very vigorous practice, and I was just feeling so good, you know? And then I came home, sort of November, now, Boston, (laughs) rainy, gray, damp, and I thought I could do that. I had in my head, I'm going to, you know, I got up that morning after the flight, and I thought, okay, I'm going to just roll out my mat and do what I did in in L.A. I was like, (laughs) you know. So like Daryl was saying, the our bodies are conditioned by the environment. So like being back in Boston and you know just that dreary damp weather and I was like all I wanted to do was very simple gentle yoga, you know, 10 minutes and then lie down and it's like, and yesterday I was out in the sun doing, so, so the conditions change you know, and so that's, so you know, like I was saying earlier, it's like list tuning in every day. You know, when you do your yoga practice, tuning in, and then seeing what is it that I need. You know, where's uh, the conditions change? The 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 seasons also change. You know, so so autumn is a different feeling than than spring or summer, right? When we're, you know, the flowers are blooming and the trees and and we're blooming, and right, we want we have more energy, and then you know at this time of year it's like maybe we just want to you know just slow it down and right? so working with the energies.
1: You had a question, I think. <laughs> oh, it
2: was you. Okay. <laughs> this is maybe well I'm trying to have judgment but I'm very curious so the chant that we've been doing about the four divine abodes I just find that amazingly powerful and I know that I'm taking that home with me but I'm just curious about what the quarters are
1: oh uh, <laughs> I think it's just a way of saying north south east west you know like it's just a way it's a poetic way of saying you know um and like it, it, Native spirituality does that too, you know, I look to the north, I look to the south, east, west, and I'm filling that whole abode with, with love, with compassion, joy, and equanimity. Yeah, you and you, and then maybe we'll wrap it up.
2: Um, this retreat is unique in the offering of silence and your teachings and yoga classes, and um, I'm wondering if anybody has any idea of any place else that there ever is such an offering. I've been searching and it seems as though it's usually like at IMS, there's a yoga room that's available but never actually classes at the same time.
1: There used to be, well, Larry used to offer a, um, a retreat with yoga. But I don't know if he's still on this. What
2: about Anne Cushman at um, Jack Cornfield Spirit Rock? Doesn't she teach uh, yeah. uh, yoga and meditation?
4: In California? Yeah. yeah. If you if you take a look online, and just have to look for yoga retreats in the area, I was quite surprised this summer. I had uh, signed up to go to one, and three days before it was to go one, it was canceled. Yeah. And... Um, Whole different story, but what was really interesting is on that Facebook page, so many people came in and said, I hold a retreat. I will honor your tickets. I hold a retreat. And some of them were like in the Huntsville area, some of them in the Ottawa Valley area. So there are quite a few out there that I was totally unaware of. There is an international yoga retreat that's called Wonderlust, and it does have meditation practices in it. uh, there was what they call speakeasy. So there's talks about anything at all. Um, there's the meditation. There was the yoga. There's sometimes some a little bit extra different kind of activities depending on where it's held. And every evening there's a music as well. Uh, the two that are held here in Canada are in Whistler and um, Mont Tremblant. Mont Tremblant one is what the last two years was about the mid to end of August and the Whistler one was uh, August Long Weekend. Now, those two are not cheap because they are international, but it is a four-day retreat. I had the opportunity uh, to combine a visit with my daughter and the Whistler retreat, and I would highly recommend it to anybody. Mm -hmm. It's really, really good, but its main focus is yoga with meditation. Is it silent? It's
3: not silent, silent. not at all.
1: So David and I are teaching at Kripalu in April. Um, and if you know Kripalu, you know, it's not a silent space, but it's uh, but our retreat will be silent, so you can stay in silence if you want. So it's early in April.
5: Um, <clears throat> so since I, I did this retreat last year, since then I have been doing... Um, Pretty much a daily um, meditation practice. Um, and I've been kind of telling myself that the only way that I can do it is prone <laughs> before bed. So I'm gonna it's interesting we we're talking about effort, so I'm gonna explore that and maybe the the level of energy and attention that I'm able to give to to my practice. Um, but my question actually involves <clears throat> a community of practice. Um, so I mean I I live in the Ottawa area and I see this dizzying array of opportunities to practice with others and I I don't I, I don't know much about the different schools of thought so I guess my question is um, what are the advantages of joining a community practice and how would I figure out what to you know what would be appropriate or maybe kind of close to to what we've been doing here without you know spending. You know, quite a bit of time on research. Yeah, there
1: on our website, on the True North website, um, there is a group in Ottawa which is run by one of our teachers, Stephen Hick, and, um, and so that's something that's available. So he'll, he would be teaching, you know, this, basically this kind of, this kind of teaching. Um, and um, Melody, are you aware of other things that are offered in the Ottawa area? The Ottawa Buddhist
2: the Society has um, sittings. If you can go online,
4: you can see that.
1: Yeah.
4: <coughs> yeah. <coughs> i you you to too. Because if you look at um, uh, what Daryl brought and the teachers that she talked about, those teachers also have songs in Ottawa. Right. So the Ottawa Buddhist Society is more like a Vipassana. Uh, Theravada, Thai, and uh, whereas the Ottawa Pagoda Sangha
3: is more like Thich mm-hmm. so, And there's yeah. a monthly Vipassana half-day set in Ottawa. Is that the one at the Quaker House? Yeah. yeah. one. I think one, one month it's at the Quaker House, one month it's in Gatineau somewhere. I haven't yeah. been to them, but they alternate.
5: It's also really um, I think strong Shambhala group in uh, Ottawa um, that uh, uh, I've done some stuff with, I don't live in Ottawa, but I was really impressed with what they were doing and there's all kinds of different retreats that are offered from, you know, weekends retreats to longer retreats and um, lots of different activities, which is Shambhala, Ottawa.
1: I think it's a little different system, though. It's a different approach, isn't it? Uh, It's uh, it's a whole, the stages with the...
5: the Yeah, there are the stages, but...
1: um, They have just a regular sit, and you can go and and just do... Well, there
5: are two or three days a week that you can just go and sit also. So you don't have to do those stages. They can become a bit. You know, it depends on what you want.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay, so... um, I hope uh, hope this helps you to move out into your lives and bring your practice.
0: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.